Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Today's the day that we have all been waiting for, and by all I mean me and Mo, and hopefully you listening out there in podcast land. It is not only St. Patrick's Day. It is the start of the field of 64 in the 2016 NCAA tournament. I'm excited. How about you, Mo? Of course I'm excited. You see Yale out there? They're about to bounce Baylor, so that's that's looking good for my bracket right now. You're all about Yale. You, you, you put all your stock into one team, exactly. and that's what you're going for. Even though I have them getting bounced in the second round, but I have to get my upset special in there for those people watching. All right, he does have Yale. He's all about the Yale Bulldogs. I myself have uh, the upset special also in a 12-5 game. I got Arkansas Little Rock showing me some love on Twitter this afternoon. Do appreciate that. Um, it's not going to help. but No, it's not going to help, but hopefully hopefully they move on. But we're going to talk a plenty NCAA tournament this afternoon. Like we said, St. Patrick's Day, a lot of fun, a lot of festivities. Hope you guys are having some good times out there, being safe. And uh, we're going to kick it off with uh, with that guy, uh, Mo. I guess who else, right? So we're actually going to kick it off with some bracketology. Uh, me and Barack Obama have something in common besides being two African-American black people in America. <laughs> I was going to say it, uh, but I, I figured I'd let you say it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean he, he had something pretty cool up on TV. We'll discuss that. We're going to discuss two of our favorite people in the media right about now, Carmelo Anthony and Goose Gossage. Oh. He had some comments that'll make you roll your eyes. It made me uh, ram my head into a wall when I heard them, but mm-hmm. we'll discuss it. And the Patriots being the Patriots and in the NBA draft. There may be a little discrepancy as to who's going to be the number one ticket. Is it Ben Simmons or is it Brandon Ingram? So we'll talk about that. Or Mo Buckets. Uh, or Mo Buckets mm-hmm. or someone who's associated with Mo Buckets. <laughs> uh, but yeah, starting out with bracketology, uh, Barack Obama had Kansas and North Carolina in the NCAA title game. Now, mm-hmm. someone else... <clears throat> Uh, by the name of Mo, had that same prediction. So did I. So did, I mean, so did everyone. Uh, well, who did you have winning, Mike? Uh, well, I have my school, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Oh, that's your school? Yes. You went there? 66, 63. Yes, sir. Oh, stop it. Yes. it is. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is, Obama, the last time Obama had picked the winner of the NCAA tournament, it was North Carolina in 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, he picked against him this time, so hopefully he's right and you're wrong. Well, and uh, Kansas takes it right now. Kansas is actually looking good. They should against a 16 seed, but uh, yes, because no win. 16 has ever beat a number one and probably never will. <laughs> exactly. Hey, um, they gotta look good. You gotta gotta flex those muscles and show that you can take care of the little guy because it can happen. Oh, you know? yeah. No, I mean, I, I, there've been over the years there've been some you know close calls, but I uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't see it happening this year. Although, although. With my Carolina playing Florida Gulf Coast today, I mean, I'm not concerned, but they did score a ton of points in that playing game the other day. So they, they obviously got an offense there. Mike actually had a leg up on me in, in one of the playing games, but we won't discuss that too much. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> one thing I will discuss is Obama didn't have any love for Seton Hall, which I found interesting. He had them bowing out in the second round to Utah. Mm-hmm. Don't agree with that because, of course, I have Seton Hall going to the Final Four. I don't know why Mike doesn't. But uh, <laughs> if you're if you're a Seton Hall person, you you should look forward to that. They're gonna make it to the Final Four. Isaiah Whitehead is gonna take that team to the promised land. Not 
quite to a title, but they'll they'll get some notoriety from that. A title, not quite a title. This team, nineteen ninety three, was the last time they even sniffed the NCAA <laughs> tournament. You are going out on a limb, sir. Why are you bringing up old stuff? All right, it's it's out with the old. You're you're, you're sounding like Goose Gossage right now. Hey, you don't with the dare okay? you! I love Cam Newton. <laughs> not apparently not enough as him as he does. Yeah, but, um, that's true. yeah we'll discuss that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other person who had an interesting prediction, Carmelo Anthony said Syracuse would upset Michigan State in the second round. Well, now I had yeah. I had problems getting Syracuse out of the first round, let alone upsetting Michigan State. I don't know about you, Mike. Well, obviously he's a little bit of a homer, and that's you know that's understandable. I mean he's got to be a little bit of a realist uh, when it comes to his uh, Syracuse orange because they shouldn't have even been in the tournament. Okay, <laughs> they were horrid, and I understand that they are a ten seed. At, but but they who did they who did they lose to that Doug Gottlieb actually said the other day on his radio show that uh, if anyone loses to this team, they should automatically not be allowed in the tournament. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, Syracuse has so many losses. I'm not even I'm not even sure who that was. Oh well, I say it because he was in he was uh, referring to St. John's, and so little, hey, wait 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 yeah, a minute. A little bit of a dig. That's not a little, bring it up St. little John's, bit of a buddy. dig there. A little bit of a dig. But back to my point. Syracuse should not be in the tournament. They're nine, they were 19 and 13. They were 9 and 10 in the ACC. If you're under 500 in any conference, I don't care what conference you are, and yes, the ACC is arguably one of the better, if not the best, you should not be in the tournament. They lost five of their last six games. How did they make it? Why? Because they're Syracuse. Because it's Jim Boheim. Bam. Because they are who they are. I mean... Name brand. I mean, you want yeah. to rock, but I mean, think about it. They're gonna. I think they're gonna beat Dayton in the first round. I don't know how far you have Syracuse going, but I mean, I have them beating Dayton and then losing to Michigan State in the second round. Oh, I have them losing to Dayton. Oh, so you you're just not giving any love? You know, no, no, not at all. Dayton, Dayton's a seven. They're you know Syracuse is a ten. I Dayton, Dayton's usually really good. I mean, at least in the first round, they're they're you know usually usually pretty consistent to get out of the first round regardless of what uh, seed they are. So yeah, I'm not giving any love to uh, and and believe me, I, I'm a, a true blue. I've been a fan of Carmelo since his one year in, in Syracuse, but nah, nah, I just don't see it this year. I mean, if you read Bleacher Report, they had a, a you know how to fill out your bracket, and it was kind of like. They told you you should trust in Dayton. Again, I don't. Maybe it is the name brand of Syracuse and Jim Beheim, but I just I just see Syracuse at least getting one win out of this whole ordeal and Dayton bowing out. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if Dayton pulls it off. It's not considerably an upset because Dayton is actually the seven. But, um, again, we'll, I mean, we'll see tomorrow what happens with Syracuse and if Carmelo gets his, his wish or his prediction correct. Absolutely. And, and if anyone that watched the early games today – where I don't, I wasn't surprised because I said it in the last podcast that Duke would underwhelm because that's what Duke does in the years that they don't win the championship. And at the half, they were losing forty-three to forty to UNC Wilmington, which have the ugliest uniforms in the history of the world. <laughs> Can we stop the hate? Can it's not hate. It's being real. I mean, did you see those uniforms? Neon green, blue, gray. White, they they just it it was terrible. Can I say something? Yeah, yeah. Can I say something? Sure, sure. Do, you, do you like the Seattle Seahawks uniforms? I like the I like it when they wear the blue and the the blue uh, jersey with the gray pants, but not not uh, all blue. Uh, 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 but they got some neon green in there too. So yeah, everyone... they do, but not as much as uh, what was the school UNC Wilmington was wearing. 
Oh, so because it's USC Wilmington, you're just going to throw them under the bus with their uniforms, but the CLC Hawks, they can walk around with their navy blue and neon green, that's fine. Yep. Pretty much. Oh, no, okay. b- besides the point that, you know, they uh, they actually really did play on a pr- – they played, played a great half of basketball. That That's what's most important. So to take it away, again, I am I am not – I do not see Duke going, you know, going very far in this tournament. And actually looking at my bracket real quick, I do have them getting by the next round, but I do not have them getting by Oregon uh, to move on to, you know, the Sweet 16. So. Really? So you have Oregon being Duke? Oh, yeah. Well, Oregon's, Oregon's a one. Okay, I'm going to refer back to my Bleacher Report, what to do and what not to do. And they, they told me, they advised me that I shouldn't trust in many Pac-12 teams. And uh, Oregon is... I believe in the same conference as they're saying don't trust it. So I'm just going to throw that out there for you. If you picked Oregon over Duke, don't do it. Yeah, but, but it's it, a little too late for you. It's easy to say, but it's the same thing with like a Big 12 conference. Like how many Big 12 teams really? I mean, you look at like Oklahoma, you look at you look at Texas A&M. They're basically the same team on paper. I mean, if this was a football game, don't get me wrong, I'd be all excited. But it's... It just seems like just the school that's going to get to wherever they're going to go, and then they're going to get knocked out by one of the schools that have continually gotten there, like a Kentucky, like a UNC, somebody like that. Before we get back to our boy Carmelo Anthony, oh, um, mm-hmm. I revealed earlier that I had Seton Hall in the Final Four. Uh, I have Butler going pretty far. I have Arizona going pretty far. Do you have any uh, upset specials besides Little Rock, Arkansas going on in your bracket? Little Rock, yeah. Actually, I have one. Uh, I, do, I do love Wichita State. Um, this is, you know, this is a club that's been, you know, pretty consistent again over the past couple of years since, uh, uh, I don't even want to say Clint, Clint Anthony, uh, he's <laughs> shoot myself in the leg, but, oh man, oh, uh, too soon. That, that's, a, that's a low blow. Too soon, too soon. But no, um, I, I like Wichita State. Again, I, I think I can definitely see them getting past the round of 64. Uh, and, and obviously I don't think many people would take them, uh, over Miami, but, but I'm one of those. I just don't. I don't think Miami scores enough. They they're a, they're a very good defensive team. It's kind of what they pride themselves on. But I don't see. I don't see. Uh, I don't know. I think Wichita State can just put more points on the board. And actually, I do have. I'm looking at my bracket now. I even have them getting past Villanova. So that kind of seems like my uh, my uh, dark horse there. I'm pretty excited about that. And and Notre Dame. I um I don't love West Virginia. And I actually see Notre Dame able to beat Xavier as well. Xavier was very disappointing down the stretch this year. It started out like a ball of fire. We're in the top five for most of the year and then just faded. Uh, I mean, excuse me, Notre Dame will not get past North Carolina. And if you watch the ACC semifinal game, they got absolutely trounced by the, by the Tar Heels. See, I had Xavier going to the Elite Eight. I can't, I can't really roll against Xavier because Xavier's actually my first cousin's name. Love the kid to death. So, I mean, got to roll with it. They're a good team, too. I mean, a lot of people had Xavier in their, in their Elite Eight, Final Four. I believe they go down to UNC, though, when it comes down to it. You spoke about uh, Miami, and I have Arizona actually taking them out. I'm a little disappointed that people are so low in Villanova. I think it's probably because they, they disappointed last year. Yeah. But I think they get it together this year, and they actually uh, take it to about the Sweet 16 when they lose to Arizona. Arizona. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not big on Arizona either. Uh, my fifth cousin, twice removed, uh, middle name is Gonzaga. So oh, I, I really like them <laughs> until they play Michigan State. Uh, I, was, I, re- I think Michigan State's a, a Final Four. Uh, team, I really, I think they, I think they can beat uh, Virginia, uh, and then you know, obviously, once they get up to the Final Four, anything's possible. But I do have them again losing to North Carolina. 
Well, uh, looks like looks like Yale could close it out. I'm gonna hold on to that. I mean, it's it's still very close. They're up by two over Baylor, but we'll we'll check in on that throughout the show. See how that goes. Going on to the NBA, where it matters for 16 teams as we headed down the stretch toward the playoffs. Uh, the Knicks aren't one of them, but uh, Carmelo Anthony is still making headlines with his comments about what's going on with the organization. Phil Jackson just uh, kind of threw out a grenade and said, hey, you know, maybe I can coach half the games and Kurt Rambis can coach half. Phil at home and Kurt Rambis on the road. I don't agree with that. Carmelo obviously doesn't either. Um, I, last time I checked, Carmelo Anthony was wearing a jersey and not a suit. So he's not with the front office. I don't see where he has to put his stamp of approval on things. Yes, I spoke about Carmelo having to speak out. But on things that he should speak out on and front office moves and head coaching situations, maybe not one of them, especially when it has to do with Bill Jackson. It's true. And just to uh, jog everyone's memory out there in podcast land, most of this on, I believe, episode two, where he criticized Carmelo for not speaking up. So what an interesting web we weave, sir. But, um, you know, it's true. It's a uh, it's a debacle. It's a it's a it's a Travis Sham mockery, as that Bud Light commercial <laughs> used to say. And in uh, reports came out again today that say Carmelo may be willing to waive his no trade clause uh, this summer when and if the Knicks no longer make any moves. And let's who are we kidding? What moves can they really make? Uh, unless a bunch of guys like Aaron Afalo and Derek Williams uh, are willing to not opt in next year. And let's be honest, also, they're probably going to opt in because who's going to pay them after the miserable years they had? Uh, there's not going to be any money to to really go out and sign anybody. You'd have to trade Robin Lopez uh, and his you know $52 million contract he got last year. So, uh, yeah, I guess, Carmelo, I'll help you pack your bags. You know, I don't see anything changing in New York for you, bud. Uh, I guess Phil would help you pack his bags because if you read the quote he had on Carmelo's uh, on Carmelo's comment, he said, "That's entirely up to Carmelo. That's in his lap because of his no trade clause." To me, Phil didn't put that much thought into the quote, so to me, it, it's like Phil saying, "Well, yeah, like like you said, go ahead, leave." Because at one point, Phil Jackson made it known that he wanted Carmelo Anthony in his future plans for the team. He wanted to keep Carmelo. That was like his plan, his thing. Carmelo's going to be his centerpiece. Now he's saying, "Well." If he wants to go, let him go. And I think Knicks fans are are probably saying the same thing. Well, if he wants to leave, let him go. Let him get traded. If we can get some good parts, let him go. I mean, he's making a lot of noise in the headlines, but he's not. it's not just translating on the court. I know it's not all about just him. Other players have to pull their weight. But as the leader of the team, maybe you should not point fingers in the media, out in the open, in public, and just kind of crowd guys together in the locker room and say this is what we have to do because at this rate they're not going to even keep Kurt Rambis the Knicks are four and six in the last 10 games they're slipping he's talking about players are quitting on the court which is not a good look I'm sure if I was a player if I was a teammate on Carmelo's you know squad I want him saying that about me indirectly so I would have a problem with him maybe have to pull him aside on that but he's just not really showing leadership right now to me he's speaking way above his head who again who is he to tell Phil Jackson what he should and should not be doing. So, again, Carmelo, I, he's not, he's just rubbing people the wrong way. I think Phil, at this point, is just like, whatever, let him go. Whatever he wants to do, let him do it. Yeah, I, I think Phil would love a mulligan on, uh, you know, giving him that max contract last year. <laughs> and uh, and me, personally, I don't quite get the whole, I'm only, I would only coach home games and somebody else would coach away games, but I would think 41 games of Phil Jackson would be better than no games of full, uh, Phil Jackson on the bench. And again, I know Phil's up there in age and his health, you know, it's, it's always a question. But 
uh, Kurt Ramses has proven that he, over many, many years, with many different teams, that he's not a head coach. He's just not. He's a fine assistant coach. He can, you know, I'm sure he can he can really feed off of a, a, a guy like a Phil Jackson, which, you know, who can't. But regardless, uh, Kurt cannot be the coach moving on. And if you can't, unfortunately, get 82 games out of, out of Phil uh, of regular season play, you need somebody that can. Uh, we talked about this earlier. You know, I like Luke Walton. Uh, there's a guy like Brian Shaw out there, although I really don't want to see oh, that happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't want please. that either. Please, no. Uh, maybe Tom Thibodeau. Oh, maybe we can uh, kidnap Steve Kerr. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But regardless, it's a, it's just a bad situation. It's not getting any better. It's going to come to a head, and it'll, and it'll definitely be, uh, you know, in June, July, after the after the draft, where we also don't have a first-round pick. So there's just it, – it's just not looking good. I don't see really any big free agents coming to the Knicks. Um, I, I just – yeah, it's just a bad situation. And I think the only way it's going to get resolved is if Carmelo finally says, trade me, and the Knicks can get something for him. I mean, think about it. If Melo if, – if Phil comes out of the skybox and onto the sideline, I, I would think that he and Melo would clash – I mean, because, again, Phil Jackson's not the type of guy to whip guys into shape. He's more of a guy. He's more of someone who's going to come in, see what the team has. I mean, he had MJ, he had Kobe, he had Shaq. He's not going to, He's not gonna. you know, frizzle the waters. He's just going to let players do their thing. And, and what Melo needs is some direction. The Knicks team needs direction. And Phil Jackson's not going to do that. What he's going to do is he's going to bring in the triangle and try to run that. Reggie Miller called it, called it the triangle crap, and right now it is crap because they need to scrap that let head coach come in and implement his own game plan. Phil needs to step back, even though Melo is right on this. Phil needs to step back and just bring in the players, but let the coach coach the team. And Melo, like you said, needs to pack his bags. In the perfect in the perfect Knicks world, that's that's what would happen. It's not going to, and yeah. I don't see it getting that much better. As you said, they don't even have a draft pick coming up. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 gonna, it's looking pretty rough in uh, Masters. Garden. may have to go to more Brooklyn Nets games over in the Barclays <laughs> you, so. you may have to go to some games. And what's even the closest day? I was going to say Pennsylvania, but they don't play basketball anymore either. So it's uh, the Northeast. <laughs> the Northeast is lacking on quality. I guess you can go to Boston, especially after, you know, the, the, the chance today of uh, how the Celtics fans want Kevin uh, Durant. But again, who doesn't want Kevin Durant? And he had some really nice things to say about about Boston, you know, the legacy, you know, the fans there, obviously how everybody wants to play uh, well when they when they play against a team of, you know, that ilk. Just a quick update. Yale has defeated Baylor 79-75, so my upset special has come to fruition, and I am perfect on my bracket. <sighs> I'm so upset right now. No yeah, you idea. should be. Because <sighs> uh, if you guys... <laughs> Realized that uh, we had a join. You can join our tournament ta- challenge for a spot on the se- on the segment for our show. And Mike, uh, he was a little chippy with me. He was like, you know, you know, getting at me kind of on my phone, talking about you're going down. And I'm I'm sitting pretty and I'm perfect right now. I don't know about him. Judging by his reaction, he's not. I don't think he picked Yale. No, no, I didn't pick Yale. We'll get into that. No, I, but everybody else, I've been spot on so far. And I know you don't have Arkansas State, so we'll be there. We'll be even real soon. So with that being said, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back with Open Mic. Open Mic. And moving on to NFL free agency, where the Patriots, once again, are being the Patriots. Bill Belichick, the mastermind of the uh, transaction wire, pulled some strings and made some, some moves. At first, they seem questionable, and then after you think about them, you're like, ah, oh, makes sense. Starting off with a trade for 
Jonathan Cooper and a second round pick from the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for Chandler Jones. Now, initially, first, I thought this is a questionable move because Chandler Jones is a is a top tier pass rusher. And I'm, I'm thinking, why would he let him go for an underachieving guard and a second round pick? Well, after digging into it, you will see that the Patriots now have back to back second round picks at number 60 and 61. And Chandler Jones is actually on an expiring contract, meaning he was going to get the big bucks, more money, more buckets, in the offseason. And as you know, Bill Belichick does not pay his players. Unless your name's Tom Brady, he's not paying you. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the Patriots' payroll, Brady is taking a, a, I believe, a $15 million cap hit, and I believe Nate Solder, who is the blindside tackle, is enduring a cap hit of over $10 million. After that, everyone else is under $8 million in cap hits. So... Obviously, the Patriots don't pay their players against unless it's Brady or unless you're protecting him. So I can kind of see why this move went down. They probably didn't plan on keeping Chandler Jones. So you figure get something for him now, like a second round pick and turn it into a guard for Brady or, or another wide receiver or, or possibly a, a replacement for Chandler Jones. Now, Mike, I don't know if you scratched your head on this, but I did. And I tweeted, I tweeted about it. People were saying, well, it's Bill Belichick. Yeah, I was a little surprised at first because I thought Chandler Jones was such an integral part of that, uh, you know, that defensive pass rush. But then when you you really look deeper, it's because they needed uh, they needed to protect Brady. I mean, if you go back to that that AFC Championship game, he was hit seventeen times, seventeen yeah. times, and that's why they lost that game because he he couldn't stay upright. So they, you know, and like you said, saving money is a big part of it, but protecting Tom Brady is is the main element of this entire trade. And also the fact that they don't have a first-round pick. So, again, it's a, it's a smart move uh, for, for now and for later to protect your, you know, your cornerstone QB and to, you know, stack those picks because of the whole, you know, the, the flight gate thing that's still going on. And Chris Long actually signed with the Patriots as the eventual replacement for Chandler Jones, which I, which I find laughable. But then again, uh, the Patriots have a way of, of digging in the trash and finding players on the downside and making it work. I mean, look at LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, teams threw him away, and he had a he had off the field issues. And he, if you remember, he punched a a player at the, at the end of his college career, Boise State, an Oregon game. He just clocked the clocked the guy for getting in his face, and now he's known for for running behind uh, Patriots offensive line and making it work. Now, Chris Long is a little bit older, but uh, he can make it work. He he had 24 and a half sacks between the 2011-2012 season, but then he only had four sacks between 2004 and 2015. I don't see this uh, as a major upgrade or, or a replacement for Chandler Jones, but do you see this working out? I think it works out because it's a one-year deal. Uh, I definitely, he's not going to start. He's going to be a rotational rusher behind uh, Jabal Sherd and Rob Ninkovich, so you're not going to see him, you know, maybe you know uh, third down if that you know he's, he's just gonna come in and out who knows though again he only played 12 games last year he only had three sacks so uh it's not a huge investment uh monetarily it's also not a huge investment because you know he's not the starting end and again he's only 31 i know you think that's old because you know you're 28 but he's 29 29 oh 29 that's right but he has <laughs> i think he has a little bit of gas left in the tank i think he's gonna play with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and again Oh, it hurts me to say this, but this is what New England does. This is their iota. This They go out, they pick up these reclamation projects, and it works. I mean, everybody thought Randy Moss was done when he went there. He had the greatest year of his career, and so did Tom Brady. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be fine. 
It, I mean, I, I think he'll be fine. I don't expect a double-digit sack season from him, but no. the Patriots will find it in, in their defense to make it work for him. But uh, on to a tight end that Mike uh, spoke about a couple of podcasts ago, and I know you hope Martellus Bennett went to the Giants for Eli Manning, but it turns out he's going to the arch nemesis. He's going over to New England, where he will team up with Gronkowski. Now, that reminds me of a, a, a certain two tight end set that used to rule in New England a couple of seasons ago with Aaron yeah. Hernandez yep. and Gronkowski. Now, Martellus Bennett is not done. He had, a, he had a decent season in Chicago with Jay Cutler, so can you imagine what he's going to do opposite Gronkowski with Julian Edelman as Tom, with Tom Brady as his quarterback? Oh, yeah. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's going to be like a feast in the middle of the field. I mean, it's, again, it's the rich getting richer. You, you got him for a fourth-round pick, but you also got a sixth-rounder on top of that. So, I, obviously, the Bears are going, you know, in a completely different direction. Uh, but, oh, man, just such a smart move. And I know we spoke about the rumor that I read, you know, a couple weeks ago was that the Jets were interested as well, and, you know, they wanted um, – uh, the Bears wanted Muhammad, Wil- Muhammad Wilkerson, so obviously that wasn't a good move, and it didn't work out. So uh, not only is this a great move for the Patriots, it also weakens a division rival, so it's just really smart. Another great acquisition. I mean, if you're a Patriots fan, player, whatever, you got to be really excited that this team just continues continues to stock the cupboard. It's really, I mean, you just give this guy, Mr. Brady, Mr. Brady, you give him so yeah, many I mean, options. I mean, he he's, I mean, he's guy he they call him a genius i wouldn't go that far because he had i mean he does make mistakes but it's just you don't catch him because then he makes another move and you're like wow that was brilliant but uh the patriots look like they're gonna they're gonna capture another division title because there is no team close to them in that division i mean the bills they trade away mary williams and rex ryan is there and just don't have a quarterback and miami's in shambles they have talent and i think miami's probably going to be their main challenger in the upcoming season, they have some talent, but it's will Adam Gase get get Ryan Tannehill right, and that's going to be the big question. Probably not. I mean, <laughs> no, no faith at all. No, nothing. Nothing against Adam Gase. I think he's a good coach. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what he's going to do defensively. But how many how many years are they really going to give Tannehill? I mean, uh, he's just he's he's okay. He's just a mediocre quarterback. I feel like. Statistically, I think Ryan Tannehill is pretty good. If you look at his touchdown-to-interception ratio, he's actually pretty decent. It's just I feel like his attitude and what transpired last season with him uh, talking about practice guys making their paycheck, that that rubs people the wrong way because people expect quarterbacks to be leaders on the field. But again, we'll, we'll see if Adam Gates can talk to him and get to him on the field as far as his production and his mentality. But we're going to move on to another respected organization. The Baltimore Ravens actually made a splash in free agency. They lost Osemele to the Raiders, who's going to, he's going to boost that Raiders offensive line. Pretty excited about that. But uh, back to the Ravens, they did make some acquisitions. They brought in Eric Weddle, who turned more money, possibly from the Raiders, Cowboys, and Steelers, to join the the Baltimore Ravens. And to me, it's a good move because they, they have a spot that needs to be filled. Matt Elam has been a disappointment at safety. And Eric Weddle seems happy. He he said that he slept on it, and basically Baltimore came to mind, and that's where he went. Yeah, I don't know if I would have turned down the weather of San Diego for Baltimore, but for a chance to win, uh, yeah. I mean, what what do we what do we think of when we think of Baltimore Ravens? Great defense, obviously Ray Lewis, and we think of 
of uh, Ed Reed. I mean, this is this is what they're synonymous for. And and not saying that Eric Weddle is is Ed Reed, but he's a heck of a he's a heck of a hitter. You know, his picks aren't what they once were, but he, you know he's a veteran presence that's going to stabilize that secondary. And for a team like Baltimore that had a, a rough go of it last year, they definitely need uh they need some you know assurances in that secondary to to help you know the front. I think he's going to be perfect for yeah. that that defense. He's going to step in and he's going to really solidify the back end. They they really need to help there. You know, they had an injury with Flacco going down and Terrell Suggs going down. So, of course, they had a down season, but look for them to be back up in, in the upcoming season. And speaking of their offense, they also picked up Mike Wallace, who left Minnesota. Well, he actually just signed somewhere else, but uh, he, he didn't leave without taking shots at Teddy Bridgewater. And I quote, when this process started, I knew that I wasn't going back to Minnesota. I was like, I need a good quarterback. I need a quarterback who I know is proven and can get things done. Now, most people took that as a shot, as a heavy shot at Teddy Bridgewater, but I see it as maybe he was just saying, I need a guy who's been proven to win. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, some people, they're, they're opposing views about how good Teddy Bridgewater is, but Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl. So it, this is an upgrade. So let's not act like he's... He's choosing between two quarterbacks on the same level. He he did choose an upgrade here. But what I feel like is he didn't have to, I guess, say it that way. I mean, if we want to be grown men about it, just say I chose the better situation, the better offense for me. I want to win. If he had said that, I'd have been fine with it. But the way he kind of phrased it was kind of saying, well, Teddy Bridgewater is pretty mediocre. I don't, I don't know if you agree with that, Mike, but parting shots don't sit well with me. <laughs> I love parting shots. I think there's nothing better than a parting shot. But so, so Mike, I mean, come on. So if I leave this podcast and I take a shot, you're going to be okay with that? Oh, yeah, I'm fine with it, but I'm coming at you hard. All, <laughs> all over the internet. I'm going to talk trash, talk about everything and anyone in your life. <laughs> no, but no, I yeah, I too don't like Teddy Bridgewater's game. Nothing personal, Teddy. I think you're a fine young man, but I uh, I don't like the way he throws. I don't like his motion. I don't like the fact that he throws sidearms at times. I don't like the fact that he uh, seems to run for the sidelines like there's a 99 cent store sale going on. It's just uh, he just doesn't he doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's uh, that's really gonna win the big game. And and that's not you know again. I, Please prove me wrong. And that Minnesota team, they, they're okay. I mean, they got some nice pieces. Stefan Diggs is a, is a nice young wide receiver. They still got AP. Uh, defense is okay. They're lucky they're just in a, a terrible division right now. But yeah, but but again, let's look at let's look at Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace hasn't been good since he left Pittsburgh. That was like 32 years ago. That was a long time ago when he had Big Ben. So maybe he just wants to go back to a quarterback that is more of a, you know, a big guy with a big arm. And they don't get much bigger than Joe Flacco, who's like 6'6". You know, he doesn't have very much mobility anymore. Uh, He didn't really have much to begin with. (laughs) But but again, yeah, I mean, you know, you're you're a professional athlete. Obviously, this was a personal thing. You know, something went on between him and whoever, you know, in that organization. If he wants to talk, fine talk smack you know it it doesn't affect me it just makes for good radio but you know yes he he went to a definitely a better situation you know uh for him uh, obviously and he's not going to be dependent to be that number one or number two he you know he should be the three again we'll see what's going to happen with Prashad Perriman this year he should hopefully be healthy he can be their number two uh so you know it'll it'll really it'll be interesting uh but uh yeah good luck to you Mike and uh I I'd like to see the Vikings play Minnesota or excuse me the Vikings play uh Baltimore sometime soon I mean, think about it. I mean, one thing that I read up on was Marquise Pouncey, who's a Steelers 
Center said this about Mike Wallace to CBS Ryan Wilson, the reporter there, and he basically called Mike Wallace a coward. Those are his exact words. And I, I'm I, like Marquise Pouncey. I don't want a coward on my team. And sometimes you got to look at the individual and not the situation he's in. He's been on now. He went from Pittsburgh to Miami to Minnesota. Now he's in Baltimore. So maybe it's Mike Wallace and not the teams that he's on because he's been bounced around. And he's underachieved after leaving Pittsburgh. I mean, sure. you said it. I mean, ben, ben Roethlisberger made this guy. And ever since then, I mean, I know he's had Ryan Tannehill and Teddy Bridgewater aren't the greatest quarterbacks, but he's supposed to be this transcendent talent. And he's just not that. And for him to take parting shots, he needs to just get his stats up first before he starts talking. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, maybe, maybe he'll prove it. Maybe, you know, maybe at the end of the day when we, we look back at the 2016 season, he, he'll, he, it will be because of all the quarterbacks he played for and not because – he left it all in Pittsburgh. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, speaking of a team that uh, will probably rough Mike Wallace up a little bit in two games a year, the Pittsburgh Steelers are running into issues with their roster. Martavis Bryant, the wide receiver, is going to be suspended for one year without pay. Uh, he, un- According to his agent, he's going to check in for rehab and undergo evaluation as per Mark Susser of NFL.com. Now, he's he's uh, been a violator of the substance abuse policy, and it, it could lead to uh, a lengthy suspension or, or a lifetime ban if this keeps up. Now, I feel like he needs his rehab to kind of step back and reevaluate himself, and this is beyond, again, this is beyond football. This is not about him catching passes. This is not about a Super Bowl. This is about a young man's career, his life. Uh, a lot of players are getting busted for this substance abuse policy issue, smoking weed or whatever it is that they're doing. But apparently this is a much deeper issue with Bryant with depression involved. And as someone who's who's been, you know, kind of acquainted with depression issues, I understand where he's coming from with this. And he needs to step back and reevaluate himself. And hopefully he comes back better and able to contribute on the football field. Yeah, this guy is an amazing talent. I mean, you saw when uh, you saw at the towards the end of the season for the Steelers when Antonio Brown went out and Ben really relied on him. He was he's amazing. I mean, he's just a big guy with great hands and a lot of speed. And you know, this is going to hurt the Steelers. I mean, now you now you're you really you got to you got to hope Marcus Wheaton can step up and be a number 2, which he hasn't really proven yet, and they really haven't gone out and made any moves at all, especially on the offensive side. I mean, obviously you're going to get Le'Veon on Bell back, which is a huge plus, but can Le'Veon stay healthy? So it's just a lot of pressure on a team that really hasn't made any huge uh, additions. You know, there's been a couple subtractions, but more than that, like you said, it's about a young man who needs who needs to kind of gather himself. And and obviously, we, we hope for somebody like that that did. You know, you take away football, you take away something that they love, and we hope in the long run it doesn't cause more more damage than good. I mean, you're taking away this man's livelihood, something that he's pretty much probably spent his entire life doing, playing playing this game. And yes, he gets paid really well, but it's just it's a really delicate balance when you take away something so important to someone you don't know necessarily how they're going to react and unfortunately with what a lot of people that that have suffered from depression and other ailments that they they succumb or they they rely on you know they basically flat out just say drugs or drug usage it doesn't help the situation it only masks it and you know this is something that he'll learn in rehab and and hopefully he'll come to an understanding and, and he'll get past it but again this is not something new in football it's not something new in sports or in life so you know we wish all the best and you know we hope we hope to see him in 2017 and again it it hurts this man it hurts the team it's just a bad situation for everybody involved yeah, I mean, all in all, it's my message to him is just get well, and and hopefully he straightens things out with his life. Again, uh, this is beyond football. This is more of a life issue. Fans can be very, you know, they can they can say things that 
they're not way out of bounds. I mean, you get on Twitter, you see it. Oh, Martavis Bryant's a bum. He's throwing away his life. He's a millionaire, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's more than that. These players, they go through a lot in a 16-game season plus their off-season program. So for a player to turn to uh, substance abuse, more it's more like a mask for what's going on on the inside. Yeah. Again, and, and hopefully he deals with it. And again, I'll say, you know, get well, Martavis. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, but I'm on to a player who... <laughs> Has another kind of despicable name in the league, uh, Greg Hardy. Apparently, according to Jason Cole Bleacher Report, there are teams interested in signing Greg Hardy in free agency. Now, why would teams want to do that? I have no idea. But uh, the Cowboys did it, and he uh, he he contributed a bit. He served a small suspension. He played 12 games this year, but he he didn't exactly light it up. He kind of brought headlines and said some things that ruffled some feathers, but uh, teams are willing to take that chance. Now, as far as teams willing to take that chance, I would say the Patriots would be the best spot for him. But the Patriots just signed Chris Long, so apparently that's not going to happen. As for the other teams that could be interested in him, I could see the Buffalo Bills and Rex Ryan, knowing Rex Ryan and his off-the-wall type of thinking and his football philosophies and maybe the Seattle Seahawks who take a chance on players who have checkered past. Now, I don't agree, I don't I don't agree with that, but we'll see what he ends up. I, I don't know Mike where you see him playing, but see the Bills is probably the best spot being that they just traded away or they just let go of Mario Williams. Yeah, the Bills have the biggest need for sure. Uh the Patriots would have been the best spot because of Bill Belichick because he take he's he's done this one before. He's taken on reclamation projects like Randy Moss, like like Corey Dillon, guys that have kind of lost their way and, and even worse than that and has kind of helped them straighten out. And he's kind of the, the the Greg Pop uh, Popovich of uh, the NFL. But with that being said, Greg Hardy shouldn't play anywhere. I don't understand how this man is in the NFL and Ray Rice isn't okay i understand there was video of ray rice and what he did it was and it was horrible but if you look at everything about greg hardy's career this isn't he's not a one-time offender this has been rampant accusation Uh, i don't think any team should pick him up and it was funny a couple months ago during the nfl season uh, i believe it was troy aikman and he said until the dallas cowboys change the way they go about doing business like such as signing guys like Greg Hardy, they're not going to win. It's just it's it's bad karma. You put a guy on you put a guy on your team like this that has all this negative energy around you and is just kind of a terrible human being. You if that's worth winning, okay. I mean, unfortunately, in the NFL, pass rushers come at a very high premium. I mean, you just saw Olivia Vernon get paid more than JJ Watt and an extravagant amount of money. So, as long as Greg Hardy can can wreck a quarterback, he's going to get offers. Unfortunately, and you mentioned Ray Rice, and people say, "Well, Ray Rice couldn't play again because he was too old. He was over the hill." Last time I remember, Ray Rice had one bad season. And then he was out of the NFL for his incident. Yes, he paid his debt, you know, for what he did. Now, Steven Jackson is is like my grandmother's age. He got another chance in New England. So you cannot tell me that Steven Jackson, you know, is better equipped to hold down a, a, a backfield than Ray Rice. I mean, the guy ran for multiple 1,000-yard seasons, had one bad season, missed a year. He's still in shape. I mean, the guy's one year younger than me. He's about 29, 28 years old. And he can he can actually still play. I know he's helping out as alma mater at Rutgers and trying to speak out against you know the things that he did in the in the past. But I believe he deserves another chance and, and not Greg Hardy. But obviously that's not going to happen. And teams are going to bring in Greg Hardy to see what he can do on off the edge. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird. I mean, obviously there's more. I guess there's more 
importance put on a, 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 a rushing defensive end than there is a running back, but it shouldn't it still shouldn't be the, the case. I mean, you know, what's good for one should be good for the other, vice versa. I mean, if you're going to ban Ray Rice or blackball him out of the game, then, you know, take Greg Hardy with you. Or if you're going to let Greg Hardy play, let Ray Rice in. I mean, it looks like he's paid his penance, and yet Greg Hardy still kind of acts a fool and, and, and gets to play. So it just uh, doesn't make sense. But so is the NFL. Well, that's it for Open Mic, and we'll be right back with Building Momentum. It's now time for Building Momentum. We introduced this segment last week, but we're just going to add a little detail to it. Mike will take a stance, and I will take the opposing stance on a certain topic going on in sports today. We're going to start off with the Tennessee Titans and their GM. Their, their GM is actually entertaining the idea of trading the first pick in the draft. Now, they can either trade it for a team who wants a quarterback, or they can draft a tackle to protect Marcus Mariota. I'm of the thinking that they should actually take the pick and just draft their tackle. Because you never, I mean, Laramie Tunzel is, is the quintessential left tackle, so to speak. There we have uh, Taylor Lewan there, and it can have two bookend tackles to protect their quarterback. In the NFL these days, the first thing you need to do is get your quarterback. The second thing you need to do is protect your quarterback so he doesn't get hurt and you have to have a backup like Geno Smith. The third thing you need to do is give him weapons. So, um, again, they have some weapons on the outside. They have a tight end, Delaney Walker. They just need another tackle to kind of solidify that the bookends for Marcus Mariota. So I believe they should just draft Laramie Tunzel and move on with the pick. I think they should trade the pick. Trade the pick. You need so much on that team that isn't a quarterback or a running back. You need a wide receiver, a number one wide receiver. You need a bunch of things on the offensive line. You need a bunch of things on the defense. Trade him. Trade the number one pick because Laramie Tunsil, again, yeah, he, he, he a good prospect from Old Miss, and, and you know, according to you know reports a couple weeks ago, was involved with the whole MDHK uh, problem. I'm probably saying that last name wrong. When mm-hmm. when yeah, him when he was uh, when he <laughs> fell out of the fell out of the second story, third story window of his dorm because they were smoking weed. And I'm not drafting a guy that's got any question marks at uh, at number one uh, personally. I mean, I know Jameis Winston uh, was drafted one last year, but I just wouldn't put that on my organization when you have a young quarterback and you're starting to put pieces in play also you need again you need a lot of things look what look what the rams got and i know it hasn't necessarily worked out for them but look what they got when they traded the rights to pick the rg3 herschel walker they got like nine picks for him that turned out to be emmett smith and troy aikman and michael irvin and i'm not saying that that's going to happen but yeah i I mean again but did they think it was going to happen no who knows but tennessee just needs so many things and there is there really is no i don't think there's any clear-cut number one pick i don't think so either and you can also kind of grab maybe grab ronnie stanley but i mean laramie tunzel i mean the guy is the is the consensus best i would say tackle in the draft and you're going to pass that up you're going to pass up a chance to give your quarterback your franchise piece a bodyguard yeah, he smoked a little weed with Ken Beachy in the hotel in Atlanta. Fine. You may, I mean, come on. I mean, it, unless there's a pattern there or he fails a drug test, I, I brush it aside for now. And remember, this is just Ken Beachy's word. Nothing has, been, has came out saying that he was definitely there. He was definitely part of the whole ordeal. So I think he just take, you know, hold the pick. Don't help another team out. You know, let those other teams struggle for their quarterback. You have your quarterback, you protect him now. But you wouldn't take you wouldn't take the first pick and trade it to say Dallas for their fourth overall pick and a second, a third, and a fourth, or maybe a player. Nope. nope. 
I'm not helping any of the teams but my own. Nope. I, don't, not I just don't see it. I think Tennessee has way too many issues, and I don't care if they draft Lermie Tunsler or Jonathan Ogden next year. They're going to be they're going to be just as bad. <laughs> they're going to be just as bad. I mean, think think about it. They have some needs, but they got they got picks after after this first pick in the draft. So I mean, they'll be able to fill some holes with other draft picks. But you know, I, I I'm just of the ilk of they should just keep their pick, and and unless it's something major like a team is giving up a, a premier pass rusher like uh Muhammad Wilkinson yeah hint. yeah but uh Unless that's happening, I keep my pick. Well, you keep the pick. I say trade the pick. But let's move on to the NBA draft because I think that there's some actual debate on who is going to be the number one pick, okay? Do you say they shouldn't? They shouldn't be, but... Oh, man. You are such a guy. You just love these big names. You love these guys who are just... Everybody's talking about. You love Mr. Ben Simmons. They're big names for a reason, Mike. No, they're not because they're so hyped up that there's so much pressure on these guys to succeed at the next level. And I'll be honest with you. I know you like Ben Simmons. He's not ready. Not ready? He's not. Where is LSU right now? Are they? They they, they they, gave up. Are they? They gave up because this guy couldn't get them to the next level. They couldn't even get to the NIT let alone the NCAA. I'm blaming it on the fact that he's not ready. I don't care that he has an NBA type body fantastic there's a lot of guys that have an nba type body he doesn't shoot past 14 feet okay do you know that he made three three pointers the entire season you can't and i don't care how well you run the court you if you can't shoot the three and you can't spread the offense out once in a while eventually people are just gonna step up to you put a body on you and you're useless there's just he's just not ready i understand he had 19 points a game 11 rebounds and four assists it's only four assists okay four assists a game is not great from your point guard but i just i can't get over the fact that this guy to me, just didn't make his team any better. Okay, that's my biggest problem. And scouts are saying, oh, he reminds us of DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is not a point guard by trade and doesn't shoot the ball very well either. So tell me why, tell me why before I tell you who should be the first pick, tell me why he, why Ben Simmons should be the first pick. Listen, number one, right? When you have a superstar like that, this is, this is, this is what happened, Okay. When you're a superstar like that, Ben Simmons' first mistake was going to LSU. Well, yeah. What has LSU done in NCAA basketball in the last decade? Mm-hmm. Not much. Okay, so he made a mistake because I don't think they can handle a star like him. They had a bunch of scrubs around him, so of course the team is gonna, is not going to make a, the tournament or make noise at all during the season. I mean, Ben Simmons is basically 6'10". He's he's a little taller than Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant and he has handle. The guy's averaging 4.8 assists per game at 6'10". Can you imagine that? You have a guy the size of a power forward slash center who can handle the ball, score, get steals, rebound, you know, bounce off the glass. How could you not want that? Yes, the NBA is about scoring and shooting now, but uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, How is Jimmy Butler's jumper coming into NBA? Yeah. How is Kawhi Leonard's jumper coming into NBA? Not good. No, but it's also taken these guys almost five years to get their to get their uh, to get their offensive game. Three and a half. To part ish. Jimmy Butler's been playing. You know, it seems like he's been playing forever with those bad knees. But that's for another story. (laughs) Yeah, burn. But. Anyway, again, if a guy like Simmons, he, look, he's unique. He's got a big body. I think, if anything, he's going to be a small forward in the NBA, but that's for another day in time. The thing is that he needs to be on a roster that can kind of 
bring his strengths out. And I know that he, okay, he can run the floor and he can do things, but you can't necessarily just put him in any lineup. He needs a rim-protecting center. He needs shooters on the perimeter. He needs a lot, whereas the guy that I am talking about, Mr. Ingram from Duke <laughs> University, and I'm not a Dukey, okay? Don't like him, never have, UNC. But this guy is the real deal. He's a catch-and-shoot winger. He shot 40.9% from the three-point line. Who does that anymore, okay? No one, all right? He's not the quickest guy on the floor, but he's got a 7-3 wingspan, meaning you can put him anywhere from the three, the four, or even the five if you have to. Now, obviously, he needs to gain a whole lot of weight. He's actually 14 months younger than your boy, so he's got a lot more room to grow into his body and to grow into his game, and I feel if you can just, you can place this guy on any team, okay? You can put him with the Sixers because they need three. You can put him with the Lakers because they need a three. There's a lot of places that you can put him that you can't necessarily say, oh, Ben Simmons, you can fit with the Lakers. No, because they got D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson. You can fit with the Sixers. Not really, because he can't really run a team right now at the level that the Sixers need. There's there's just a lot of places where he can't go, whereas Ingram can go and he can succeed right away. I feel bad for this kid because people are just nitpicking him. I mean, he's a good kid from Australia. I mean, why are we nitpicking him? The guy the guy is a freak of nature. Who do you know 6'10 with handle? Like, seriously, 6'10 with handle but, and conditional ball. But that's the yes. problem because everybody says he's 6'10 with handles. He's LeBron. He's not LeBron. He is not LeBron. And if anybody – like, oh, LeBron couldn't shoot either. Don't, don't even give me that because LeBron's always been an above-average shooter. So it, he's just – again, the, all these comparisons are just way too much because he's not an all-around player. And we had this last year with Emmanuel Moutier. Oh, oh he's he can't shoot. No, he still can't shoot, and he's not really shooting very well. He's like, I believe he's around 29 28% this year in the NBA it's not good guys a rookie give him a, like I said give him give him two three seasons and he'll and if he can develop as like a 15 to 18 footer he'll be unstoppable as a point he, guard again, he, as a point guard yes as a, as a well he could be a tall point guard or he could be one of those point forwards you like a Draymond Green type of guy Draymond Green wasn't the best shooter coming out of college either Draymond Green is a center now you can you can tell me you're gonna you're gonna waste this guy's handles if you're so about them and put him at the center he could be a point forward uh, he could be a point forward he could take the ball up the court at times and then just take his spot mid-range and hit a jumper if he develops it I which just, he can, which he can. I don't know. I just see, I, I, I coming out of, you got to look at the collegiate programs too. Why did he go to LSU? Nobody knows. You got a, a school like Duke that grooms these players for the big time who play against the best competition in the ACC. It, it goes a long way. And I'm not saying every guy that comes out of Duke is, is professionally ready because that's not the truth. I mean, don't, you know, there's plenty of guys that never made it, but I, there's just, there's something to it. Uh, I, I think he'll be good. I think he'll be. I think he'll be a very good player. I just don't see all the comparisons that to LeBron and all these and what everybody seems to be foaming at the mouth about. And there is something to it because it, from when the season collegiate season started to now, he's not the the consensus number one draft pick that everybody's talking about. So you got to look at you know the proof is in the pudding. Can I ask you a question, Mike? Yeah, if, sure. if the Knicks grab Ben Simmons, you happy about that? Yeah, because I'm happy if they grab anyone right about now. Oh. Oh, okay, you you don't see the weaknesses then, do you? Okay, well, no, so they're no, just gonna bypass well, all of that stuff. No, because I don't. Well, look, look, the Knicks are not gonna get him because it's just <laughs> not gonna happen. They don't need another guy six nine that has good handles that can't shoot. Okay, like we have enough players of that same type of you know body structure. So, oh, really, we do.
Derek, Derek Williams. I mean, I mean, we got. Did you see the, the the missed layup the other night by Kyle O'Quinn on the breakaway? I mean, yes. this, yeah. I mean, six nine, six ten, can't shoot. We got a couple of those. He's not from Queens anymore after that. Oh that, man. Yeah, he we we uh not we but Queens disowned him for that. Yeah, well, he left his game in Norfolk State that one tournament. <laughs> That's so cold. So cold, so cold. Let's uh moving out of the NBA because I just feel that there's only so much you can talk about the NBA till we get to playoff time. Uh we're gonna go to baseball. It's almost baseball season, and uh I mean Mo loves him some goose gossage. He really, really loves some goose gossage. I'll let you take it away, Mo. Uh yeah, goose gossage <laughs> is in the in the media headlines again, and this time he threw my boy Cam Newton under the bus. Mm-hmm. Basically said, and I quote, It's a shame. It breaks my heart to see the direction this game is going. What do we want? A bunch of Cam Newtons running around? Wow. And I'm like, whoa, wow. whoa. Cam Newton hasn't been on the field in over a month, and you're still <laughs> taking shots? Like, come on, Goose. What, yeah. are, you, like, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, I understand he's one of those get-off-my-lawn type of guys, and he hates everything that's new. He probably has a flip phone. Mm-hmm. But uh, he can't just go around hating on people for no reason because he hates the way baseball is going. Now, Goose Gossage is, he spoke out against all of these things, but then he said he was tempted to do steroids yeah. for money. I mm-hmm. mean, come mm-hmm. on. So you don't like the new stuff that's going on that's legal, but you'll do something that's outlawed, and you 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 admit that. So, I mean, come on. Let's yeah. Goose. If we were playing Scrabble, hypocrite would be the winning word right about now. So <laughs> my man just needs to go away, stop talking to whoever he's talking to in the media. Uh, the Yankees going to have to have another talking to with this guy because he just sounds like crazy old man right now grand torino style so just you know just stop stop goose you just it just sounds bitter at this point but other baseball news other news that kind of there's definitely a, there's definitely one side or the other that you can take with it and if anyone's heard it's the chicago white Sox versus adam LaRoche. okay and this has been going on for a couple of days now where adam LaRoche has been bringing his 14 year old son to spring training over the last few years since he's been a white Sox. basically Every day. Uh, now, this is a 14-year-old kid. Uh, this is a Major League Baseball clubhouse. And for anybody that knows a little bit about baseball, it's kind of like a boys' club. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of language, a lot of uh, – obviously, there's nudity. It's, it's men. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things that maybe a young mind shouldn't see. But the other day, Kenny Williams, who is the president of uh, baseball operations for the Chicago White Sox, uh, was basically telling – that he can no longer have this child in the clubhouse. So instead of this kind of, you know, going under the rug and everybody coming to an amicable agreement, uh, what does Adam Lurch do? He retires. He mm-hmm. he retired. He, he gave up his $13 million contract with one year remaining and said, I don't want to play anymore. So before, you know, you, you, you think, wow, what's going on? Uh, obviously, there's 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 something deeper to this because from everything that we're starting to find out, uh, the players are all behind Adam LaRoche. And obviously, this is a guy who's played for 12 years, uh, did not have a good season last year, batted around 200, only had 12 home runs. Yes, he was injured, but it's, it's, it's deeper than that. He's obviously liked by his teammates, okay? And supposedly, when Adam signed with the White Sox, the White Sox are not a good team, uh, he signed with the intention and the understanding from the general manager and the manager, Robin Ventura, who was also an all-star player at one time, that Adam LaRoche's son would be allowed in the locker room whenever he freely felt. Now, to defend Kenny Williams, Kenny Williams said, I didn't tell Adam he couldn't bring his son at all. I just told him to found, find some kind of median between 150 or 50 and zero. Try to find a, a common ground. So, Mo, is it taking baseball out of the equation altogether, if you, if you like, do, do you understand or would you take your son to work every day 
or do you think it should be allowed or should be frowned upon by basically the employer of this person? As they say, there's a time for work and there's a time for everything else. And I'm not taking my son to work every day. I understand you love your kid, you want your kid around you at all times, but you got to respect the organization. What, you know, Kenny Williams came out and said he didn't want it. So, I mean, what, what are you going to say? I know you spoke about the contract and everything that he could bring his son around, but every day around grown men, I mean, I'm not going to judge his parenting skills, but why would you want your 14-year-old son around grown men who are doing all types of stuff, who knows what, in, in these locker rooms and out there in, in their clubhouse? Why would you want your son around? Why would you want your son exposed to that every day? Now, again, I'm not going to judge his parenting skills, but you you got to respect the organization. I mean, this guy is a, a, what, a 207 batting average, 133 strikeouts last season. If you're going to make demands and, and have these stipulations, you got to be somebody of stature because I guarantee you if this is like LeBron James with the Cleveland Cavs, they're letting this slide. But if, you, if you're if you a sub-250 hitter with over 100 strikeouts, then you really have, you don't have that much say of what, what you want as far as, you know, extending the boundaries of your, of your contractor adding stipulations to things. I mean, come on. I mean, I understand the players are rallying behind him because it's a brotherhood. Baseball teams are so together. So, of course, they're going to they're gonna threaten to boycott and say, we stand behind this guy. It's a fraternity. But, on the other hand, you got to look at it from management's perspective. I mean, you got to respect the wishes. And, and he walked away from baseball. It's on him. But uh, if he wants to come out of retirement and play for another team that will put up with that, fine. But the White Sox clearly aren't. Yeah, it's 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 tough because I again I can see both sides of it, but you know for the sake of the segment, I'll you know I'll take I'll take LaRoche's side on it because his father was a player, uh, him and his brother were in the locker rooms for for many years with his dad and you know in the eighties. Obviously, it was a different time, uh, you know. But I, if anything, I could see it being even a, a dirtier place than maybe it is today. Uh, you know, with a little bit more of a PC culture that we seem to have. I think about it real quick. Do you, can you imagine bringing your son around when, when Goose Gossage is around? Like Ooh, seriously? No, I, I can only imagine what was what was being <laughs> said out of that man's mouth. I mean, he was probably watching Roots on the TV every day in the uh, in the locker room. So I can uh, that would be awful. But yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I get Kenny Williams. He said, you know, what other what other job are you allowed to bring your son every day to work? But it's spring training, man. I, and I know it's a time for camaraderie, but it's also a loosey goosey time. I went to the I went to the Braves. And the Mets spring training game a week ago, and I, I was fortunate. I actually got to see Matt Harvey pitch three innings, and it was like low, Mo, Larry, and Curly playing in the infield, and I never heard of half of these guys. So you know what? If I if I have to pay fifty dollars a ticket, and I can't get to see Cespedes, and I can't see Grandison or David Wright or or Lucas Duda, if I don't get to see these guys, then and I'm gonna spend my hard-earned money, then let Adam LaRoche have his fourteen-year-old son with him. And I don't see what the problem is because, again, it's spring training. Uh, I, I can understand 162-game schedule. You want the team focused. But I, I, kids are, I'm sure there's kids in the locker room plenty of times during spring training. This can't be like a one-and-done thing. And, again, if the manager and the GM agreed upon it and it's the, it's the main reason he signed in Chicago, why wasn't Kenny Williams – involved in the say or was he involved in the say and now he's changing his tone this isn't the first time Kenny Williams has had an issue with a player this goes back to the days of Frank Thomas when Frank Thomas wanted to take a swing at him so I, I think it's gonna it's gonna come to a head again seems to be the the, uh, the, the premise of the day something's gonna happen either Kenny Williams is gonna get canned 
because the players and the manager are going to unite behind Adam LaRoche, or Adam LaRoche is going to is going to file take his papers and he's going to you know put his tail between his legs and walk out. And at least you know what LaRoche stood for what he believed in. And you know what you got to give credit when credit is due. I definitely think this is not the last we've heard from uh, you know this situation. So, I mean, Mike, if you're if you're hired at ESPN, Fox, NBC, you're going to have little Mike Calandrillos running around, playing with the mic, playing with the equipment. I mean, is that OK? Uh, no. But if I if if I go to ESPN and the Mike and Mo show has blown up because we're on like 12 continents and 57 different languages and I'm like, yo, I want little Mike in a studio all the time or I sign with, you know the uh, European Football Championship League uh, sports-only Telemundo channel, and they're like, okay, we'll let you, we'll let, we'll let little Mike, then it is what it is. And, you know, maybe he should have got that in, in writing. Maybe he does. I don't know. I, I, maybe there's other parts of this we still haven't heard. But, it, again, it's all about your word, man. It's like, you're only as good as your word. And if somebody tells you, no, it's good, then it should be good. Like, you can't you can't just decide to wake up one day and be like, no, 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 what I told you a year ago doesn't no longer work. I personally, if if I was that upset about it, I would have said, trade me, trade me, release me, whatever. You're going to pay me. I'm not going to walk away from 13. Like you always say, Mo Buckets, you pay me $13 million. I'm not walking away. Obviously, he doesn't need the money. Uh, but again, if you feel that adamantly about something, hey, man, do what you got to do. And if that means walking away, I applaud you for that. I mean, I applaud him for walking away and saying, you know, I choose my kids over my career. But um, he's got to understand that once you bring a child into a workspace, you know, things can get very dicey. And I, again, you spoke about the contract situation. I would like to see the wording on this contract sure. to see how it was worded before I, I make a judgment on that. But, I mean, when is it ever okay to bring your kid to work every day? Like, think about that. Every day. Every day? <laughs> if you get paid by the by the day that you bring your child, then I guess maybe it, it, it works. But, yeah, it's, a little, it's different. I've, I haven't quite heard of this. Um, and at first, when I heard of it, I was in the majority with you. I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. I don't quite understand it. But every day, a little bit more information comes out. You know, today we heard about the players only meeting. Uh, there's expletives being thrown around left and right. Everybody kind of let them know how we felt. And uh, players weren't going to play. And, you know, Ro- Robin Ventura, the manager, had to talk him into taking the field because, you know, guys, the fans are here. We want, we want to we want to play for the fans. And, you know, obviously, at the end of the day, they did. But there's, there's something else to it. They, these guys would not be this adamant about it if it was just as cut and dry as you know oh you lied to me so right. you know it, it'll be interesting to see but again it's uh man it makes for some good talk radio it really does hey i mean if i have a little more a little monique <laughs> oh, it's no. because they're gonna be taking over the show no, i'll be debating with you instead of me i let them take over the wheel and you know, they'll learn from me a little bit and then i'll let them debate with you on building momentum and see how they do if but if, other than that i'm not taking them to work with if me a four-year-old tells me mo money mo buckets i'm gonna have to call <laughs> child support services all right that's all i'm saying so that's exactly what he's gonna say because you gotta teach him early oh yeah game early this is true right off from the streets of brooklyn that's what it's about mo money mo dollars absolutely absolutely and uh thanks for listening uh again uh check us out on twitter mike and mo mike mo show we're gonna wrap it up with an interesting subject of course it's uh ncaa march madness season so we'll have an interesting topic for you next this is the wrap-up Keeping in the spirit of March Madness and the NCAA tournament, uh, we've got one question to wrap things up today, and uh, it's directed at my main man, Mo. 
Mo, I don't know how long you've been watching College Hoops, but it's been a part of my life for many, many years now. So looking back throughout the years, what is your greatest memory of an NCAA tournament run by a team that you either loved or hated or just one that you found amazing to watch? Uh, you know what? I'll go with a matchup, and I'll say Ray Allen versus Allen Iverson in the Big East when uh, UConn and Georgetown went at it. And in the, in the mid-'90s, I believe, this is around the time where the Knicks got crushed in the uh, finals, but we won't speak about that. Um, these two were battling in, in NCAA, and they had a pretty good thing going. And I remember that was probably the first time I got interested in March Madness or college basketball for that matter because this is back when players used to stay for four years before they go to the NBA. Now you only get to see them for a year mm-hmm. or two and then they move on. Or so not at all like Ben Simmons. Then that. Back then seeing that was just was just awesome for me. Don't talk about Ben Simmons, all right? He didn't even go to the <laughs> tournament, okay? So he's saving all his energy for the NBA. That's a different story. He can't even but, buy a ticket right now. Got no money. I mean, hey, I mean, more money, more buckets, this, all right? Don't yep. miss your energy in some college basketball tournament that you're not going to win anyway. Wow, wow, yeah. All right. But back on Allen Levinson and Ray Allen, that, that really uh, piqued my interest in NCAA and watching those two go at it was just amazing for me, and I watched it ever since then. I mean, the times of Miles Simon going at it when he was pretty good with Arizona, and now he's a, he's an analyst now. So it's just seeing that just makes me, number one, it makes me feel old. Mm-hmm. Not as old as you, but it makes wow. me feel old. And to realize that these players went from being in NCAA tournament to now being analysts and going to the NBA and doing great things. But, uh, of course, you know, both Allen Iverson and Ray Allen, neither in the league. Ray Allen's probably camping out, waiting for a team to pick him up as an extra three-point shooter. We'll see what happens there. But uh, Not going to happen. I remember him from his days at UConn, and it was great. Yeah, yeah. That was a, it was a long time ago. Jesus Shuttlesworth, um, very long time ago. <laughs> Um, but for me personally, it goes back, it started with Carolina. I remember watching, uh, I was at a hotel when I was a kid, watching the uh, title game Carolina versus Michigan, and then the Chris Weber uh, calling a timeout when he doesn't have any timeouts. And, uh, you know, I was young. I, I, I don't remember what year that was. I don't know if it was 92, something like that. But, that was, man, that was a long time ago, and that's what that's what kind of sparked my love for Carolina. But probably my, uh, my favorite all-time team was that uh, 2005 Carolina team with the the likes of every player that never made it in the NBA, Rashad <laughs> McCants and Sean May and Marvin Williams was a freshman and he should have stayed in school. That was a great college team and that was a college team and just that. But it was a lot of fun just watching them. They were, you know, they were the number one seed pretty much all year and they just, man, they just beat up every team they could. And, you know, they played Illinois in the championship against Darren Williams, who, you know, I think he's still in the NBA somewhere in his receding hairline. So it's, um, <laughs> he's, you know, that was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I, that was a squeaker of a championship game. But, uh, you know, it was, I think it was what Roy Williams, first, uh, first collegiate, uh, title ever. So it was, it was a big deal. And obviously they went on and won in 2009 with Tyler Hansbro, uh, rest in peace. Oh, he's not dead. Um, he's not dead. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's getting dunked in the NBA, but he's career not. Is, he's alive, his Mike. career's dead, but no, I love you, Ty. Um, <laughs> but I can, I can say these things because I root for Carolina because I, I believe Carolina blue. But uh, no, it's uh, it, it's funny when you can just relate. Uh, you can relate those moments back to childhood or, you know, any time where you can just, you know, you can be like, wow, that was a, it was an epic time. You know, I, like you were saying, Miles Simon, like Trajan Langdon, Eric Montross, yeah. like people, you know, Millennials don't even know who these people are, let alone seeing them play. So, you know, we may be older, but at least we got, I, I feel like we really got to see uh, 
the epic basketball in college, like Ron Artest at St. John's. I remember watching him and, you know, Ed Coda at North Carolina. Like, Shout out St. John's. Yeah, I mean, there was some great college basketball, and it has. It really has kind of fallen off. This season especially was just nobody nobody wanted to stay in the top five, it seemed. Everybody, they, they won a couple games, they lost a couple games, and it was, it was up and down, and that's why I hope this tournament kind of, I hope it, it picks up and it piques people's interest. You know, obviously there's always going to be gambling in Vegas and people are going to play fan duel. But, you know, when, when college basketball is great, it just makes the NBA that much better because, you know, you and I spent a couple minutes talking about who should be number one, who should be number three, because I have no idea who any of these people are after one and two. So it'll be interesting. I think it'll be a lot of European products, um, you know. But, again, it, uh, like we say, everything's changing. NBA's changed. College basketball's changed. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's weird. It, it really is. There's very few things I think you can uh, rely on to stay the same in in, uh, in sports, you know, Yale, really? I, I didn't think Yale was going to win. You did, but, I mean, you I know. Think it's, just, it's just lacking those rivalries we see. I mean, you see players play each other, you know, consecutive years. Uh, you mentioned uh, Michigan and the Fab Five. Yeah. I mean, people don't remember that. This this is a great team that didn't win anything. Nothing. I mean, they, they came close a couple of times, but they never really, you know, took it all the way before they went on to the NBA, Jalen Rose, Chris Webber, and those guys. And you just don't see that anymore. Players coming back to win an NCAA title, it just doesn't have the same value anymore. Players are just like, look, I need to make this money. And I don't blame them. I, again, I'll say it again. Cash your checks. I'm all for it. Make your money. But it's just for the product, if you're a viewer watching the NCAA, the reason we can't get into it is because we don't even know who these players are. I mean, think about it. Pick any random team and just tell me who their starting lineup is. Because yeah. I couldn't, I'm going to be honest with you, I couldn't tell you. No, it's a shame. You know, uh, it's, it's, and it really has a lot to do, if not all of it, with the one and done rule. It's, it's so stupid. I mean, college football, you have to play three years or you at least have to be redshirted. So you have to have been in school for three years because we know and people know that these guys are not ready for the NFL. They're not ready for the pounding, or, you know, everything that's going to go on but why why are they ready in in basketball if, if you're not going to let them go straight from high school like they used to why is it okay now to play one year and then go to the nba you're not doing these kids a service yes you're you're patting their pockets a little bit uh that's fine i'm all for cashing those checks but you're not getting an education okay you're not you're not furthering them as citizens of the world so what happens to a guy that comes out blows out his knee he only did one year in college and now he has a little bit of money but he has nothing else to fall back on unless of course he's got the right support system and he's invested his money uh wisely but again money goes quick man you know education it's it's going to be there forever and then you know hopefully some of these guys can kind of work that into you know when they sign with a school i've heard it before they say you know even if i leave in one year i can come back and get my degree fantastic but again i don't know how much of that is going on so it's just it uh, you know i feel for the i feel for a lot of these people I, you know i would love to be in is in the situation to say oh do i come back to school for my sophomore year or do i or do i cash that check but they shouldn't have they really shouldn't have the the opportunity to choose it should be one or the other either you're gonna let these kids go at 18 years old in straight to the nba because they're that good or you're gonna you're gonna make them get their education and then after their junior year decide like in football do i stay and get my my degree one more year or do i go to the nfl and nine times out of ten when the guys leave college and to play football they go to the nfl they come back and they get their degree and you hear about that but i don't know how much i hear about that in the nba because again you leave college at 19 you got one year under your belt who knows how much you actually went to class are you going to go back to college for three years after your career is over highly doubt it yeah yeah, I mean, I mean, I look at it this way. The NBA may have gotten tired of getting Kwame Browns, 
trying to make the jump and they said, hey, we need to implement this rule so that they at least get one year in. But I mean, hey, kids, the message is here is like, stay in school and then cash your checks later. The yeah. checks will be there. But I mean, you can't tell a kid that who's come from poverty and needs a way out. So I kind of see it from that side, too, that some of these kids come from environments where they need an escape and they need the money and they have families and they have children and stuff like that to support. So I could kind of see why they want to just say, OK, I'll take the one year in college. Maybe some of these kids wouldn't have gone to college anyway. So at least they get that one year of college in, and if they go off to the NBA and they, and they fall flat, then, they, like you said, it's hard, but they can still go back and, and make a living for themselves doing something else besides, you know, playing basketball, maybe analyst or journalism field like uh, someone I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's all it's all good. I mean, cash your checks later. School's, school's going to be there, but, you know, money, money will also be there too. And a lot of these players, you know, they make the jump and they bet on themselves, which is not a bad thing. Uh, quick update on the tournament. I am still perfect. Kansas just uh, won 100 to 79. Man, that so was a, you, that took, you went out on a limb on that one, dude. Whew. Can't believe <laughs> can't believe you won that game. What are you hey, kidding hey, me? I, you know, I got I got to stick with my team. I mean, it could happen. You never know. Oregon could get us set by the Holy Cross today. I mean, tomorrow. So you never know what could happen. Well, that's not happening either. So best of luck with your continued picks here, Mo. Thank you. I mean, killing me. I, you are killing me I with mean, these picks. You're taking the obvious choices. I mean, think about it, though. I got Seton Hall in the Final Four. Who has Seton Hall in the Final Four? Not right? even Seton Hall has Seton Hall in the Final Four. That's for sure. <laughs> but no, I give, I give you credit. You you did it with uh, with uh, Yale. That was a that was a nice pick. Thank, that was a good thank pick. You very much. So, Yale, I deserve a shout out for that on Twitter. By the way, yeah. I shouted you guys out. Yeah, seriously, I got some love from. Uh, what was that Southeast? Little, you don't even know Little Rock. You, yeah, you don't even know who you chose. Look at this. Little Rock, Arkansas, doing this big is, things. This We're, is why my bracket is a lot better than yours. You've got one more win than I got right now. It is way too early. I'm right there with you, but I, I'm, I'm coming for you, Mo. I'm telling you right now, when Carolina wins it all, you're going to be like, oh, man, I lost by one game. Exactly. The championship. You're such a, with that. You're such such a big time. Big time. All about that Carolina blue. Carolina Stop blue. Hey, you know what? Oh. I got a lot of credit. Um, and going back to our last topic, I got a lot of love for uh, Shane Battier, even though he's a dookie. Like I stayed in mm-hmm. school four years, uh, majored in religious studies, and had a fantastic NBA career. I believe it spanned over 10 years. Uh, was a solid player all around. Won a title with Miami. No, he's not a Hall of Famer. But you know what? He made a ton of money. He's got a fantastic education from a phenomenal school a phenomenal institution and you know i really hope that there's more young men and young people like that that kind of look to that and say that's what i want out of life you know i want to get that education i want to succeed i want to be the best that i can be it in a sport but there's more to it after that you know sports are going to end one day so what else are you going to fall onto uh, fall back onto so you know what not saying that that's the only way to do it but you got to give credit credit's due and you know major props for a guy to a guy like that shane battier what's up man Absolutely, man. Shane Battier, props to you, man. And uh, Damian Lillard for staying in school at Weaver State. Didn't know who he was coming out of the draft, and now he's pretty good, and he's got a little rap career going on. If you if you haven't heard Damian Lillard rap, just just put him in YouTube and just listen to him. The guy, he's got some skills, so he's got something to fall back on if this whole basketball thing doesn't work out. And I actually think this basketball thing is doing pretty well for him. Oh, so yeah. He'll be in the league another 10 years, and he'll have that little rap career on the side so shout out to him is he a, be- is he a better out. rapper than iman shumpert is he better than shumpert 
Oh gosh, fantastic as a shepherd. Shepherd needs to stick to delivering babies. He's pretty good at that, but uh, oh. not not rapping. Not rapping? No, 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 definitely not. But it's been fun. It is St. Patty's Day. Go out, have a good time, be safe, enjoy the rest of March Madness. This is only uh, 64. By the time we talk next week, we'll be down to the Sweet 16. That's when everything's getting very, very interesting. We'll have plenty more. Make sure to hit us up on social media. Twitter, Facebook, Mike Mo Show. Make sure, and this is the big one, iTunes. Go on iTunes, subscribe to the show. Mike and Mo Show, just put it in the little search bar under podcast and write a review. You know, tell us how much you love us. We want to hear from everybody out there. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you want to keep hearing. Uh, tell, them, tell us how much you, you, you like that money, Mo Buckets, how much everything you need out of life, and uh, how much you agree with everything we say because uh, that's yeah. what we want. That's what we need. You know? Everything I taught you in this podcast within the first five episodes, you could just put it on the review, shout me out, tell Mike that he needs to call that down with uh, the shots taken at my height, but uh, it's okay. Hey, I actually didn't. I didn't take... I'm teaching kids life. He's teaching kids life one small kid at a time. Yes. Yes. Him and Kevin Hart, same size. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're, we're changing the world, people. Hey, Kevin we're Hart's funny, man. I love Kevin. We can get Kevin Hart on the show sometime. You, you know him? Uh, not really, because he's from he's from Philly, and Philly and New York don't really mix well. Well, enjoy the tournament. Enjoy St. Patrick's Day. Hit us up on social media. Make sure you follow our brackets. And uh, you know what? We had so much fun. We'll do this again next week. So until episode six, everyone, have a fantastic St. Patrick's Day. Enjoy the tournament, and we'll talk soon. Peace.